Hello, my friends. Welcome to this PMP exam mindset seminar. This is a seminar that was conducted on LinkedIn on the 3rd of July. And I wanted to share that with you because I know many of you were not informed about it. And I would like you to actually sign up on my YouTube page so that you get notified of when these ad hoc webinars might occur. Go on to youtube.com forward slash praiseon. That's P-R-A-I-Z-I-O-N, and you'll be notified when such events are taking place. But let's jump into the event where I cover what I call the PMP exam mindset. All right. So welcome, welcome, everyone. You do know that the PMP exam has changed quite a bit since 2021 when the PMI came on the scene. Some of you took your exam way back in 2019, 2020. I know Kathy took hers way back. And my friends like Lawan and others are getting ready to take the exam in a few days or weeks. So I wanted to talk to you today about the PMP exam mindset because there's a misnomer that the PMP exam is full of calculations and you have to cram stuff. Uh, no. Instead of cramming, my advice to you would be to get the mindset. And I have written a book called PMP Exam Mindset Mantra that encapsulates 36 specific thoughts that you need to have to ace the PMP exam. And that's what I'm going to be talking to you about today. You can find the book if you go on down to the site uh, tinyurl.com forward slash PMP Mindset Mantra or PMP Mantra. I might as well just put the hot link in the chat and anyone who cares to get the book can do so. But this is from a much wider body of knowledge that I have put together specifically for the PMP exam students. All right, so I'm going to put that in the chat and we're going to begin talking about these mantras. So, first and foremost, you got to think about people, okay? The team, customer, product owner, sponsor, stakeholders, program manager, portfolio manager, steering committee, functional heads, and subject matter experts. This is the terminology that you need to be aware of. You need to be aware of these thoughts and these words for your exam. Now, I blow this out a lot more in the book. The book is about 140-something pages, but I'm going to give you the skinny of it today. Number one, customer. Make your customer's success a primary goal. What am I saying? Be obsessed with the customer. On the exam, you're going to get options that present not being a customer advocate, following the process, but not being a customer advocate. No. Be a customer advocate over everything else. Instead of blindly, rigidly following processes and procedures at the customer's detriment, don't do that. Make your customer success a primary goal. You see, this is what makes the PMP exam a little bit tricky because you're going to have the option of following the process and not thinking about the customer where there might be a process that does not uphold customer needs or wants. Remember, it's individuals and interactions over processes and tools. So that's how you need to be thinking when you're posed with two options 
and one option is just blindly follow a process like a zombie versus think about the customer, you want to be thinking about the customer. All right, so that's the very first mantra. And I want you to keep the conversation going, keep the chat going. Those of you who've taken the exam, like Cassie and others, I'd love for you to share your experience, how you found the exam. If you're getting any flashbacks or things that you encountered, I want you to put them in the chat and share them because it's going to help other people on the call. Okay? So the mindset, again, is customer obsession is number one. All right. Let's move on to the second mindset mantra. The second one is advancement. Work with the customer to move the project forward. If you get options that make you not move the project forward, don't choose those options. For example, a customer would like a change request on a project. What should you do? You're going to get options to reject the change request flat out and say no without consideration. That does not move things forward. Even if the customer asks for something that sounded outlandish, the PMI wants you to first of all analyze the impact. We call it an impact analysis. You've got to do that first before making any conclusions. And then beyond that, you also need to get involved the change control board. You already know that. Good. All right, let's move on. Fairness is the next one. Number three, treat others fairly. Have empathy, be mindful, be aware of diversity and inclusion. You see, when we think about diversity and inclusion in the world of the PMI, it is important that we don't just think about race, orientation, religion, and things like that. Now, that's just some of it. You also need to think about diversity in thinking, neurodiversity, how people see the world around them and think to solve problems. My neurodiversity might kick in very different from how you think. It doesn't mean that I'm slow or that you should write me off. It just means you should understand people think differently. Maybe I spend two days to come up with a solution, but it's a fantastic solution. There's a story about a guy looking out of the window and his colleagues got mad and told the boss, John's looking out of the window, he's not doing any work. And his boss said, Please leave him alone. The last time he did this, he came up with a million-dollar idea. We always process things differently. We're not going to see things the same way, and we need to respect that and honor that. So just remember that for your exam. Diversity goes a long way. Number four, steward. Protect the resources entrusted to you and treat them with care. Be a fiduciary of the resources entrusted to you. So the whole idea about you being a custodian is going to kick in here. Let's move on to the next one. Number five is the team. Focus on stakeholder and team health, their well-being and synergy. Now, when we focus on the team, remember the team is a subset of stakeholders, right? But for your exam, you need to remember that unhappy team is equal to no dream. Unhappy team means the team is not going to do their very best. So that's why the Agile Manifesto said, give them the environment and support that they need and trust them to get the job done. You've got to trust them. You've got to think about their health, their well-being, their mindset, them coming to work. You've got to understand when the team has been beaten up. Hopefully not in your firm. Hopefully management doesn't beat the team up. But I'm telling you, there's some organizations 
where you're called into a dim lit room and the team gets a beating, we don't want that. But in instances where the team might have gone through a rough patch, we need to understand that. And if you haven't studied the tenets of servant leadership by Robert Greenleaf, I would encourage you to Google it. You find them on Wikipedia everywhere, but think about that whole aspect of team health and restoration of health and healing. That's what we call it in the servant leadership tenets. It's important. All right, number six, team trust. Trust a team. Remember, agile manifesto all over again. Those 17 individuals, they, they really helped us a lot. If you haven't studied the Agile Manifesto, you need to go on down to agilemanifesto.org and really hone in on that because that will also help you for your PMP exam. So it says give the team the environment and support that they need and trust them. That word trust is huge. If you trust a team, trust their judgment, let them choose their way of working, not management from on high saying thou shalt use scrum. That's not the exam mindset. You need to understand that the PMI has 35 tasks in the PMP exam content outline. And one of the tasks is all about choosing the right way of working, the right life cycle approach. Okay, so when you encounter questions that give you the option of dictating how the project will be run, don't choose those options. They are red herrings. They're trying to lead you down the draconian path. <laughs> and if you choose it, it's not going to be a good outcome. So just remember your buddy Phil told you, beware. Okay? All right, let's move on to number seven. Number seven in the people mindsets is a servant leader. Like I said, servant leadership was originated by Robert Greenleaf. You can find all the 10 tenets on Wikipedia. But the bottom line is defend the team and be a diversion shield and facilitate conflict resolution. So on your exam, you are going to be given a lot of vanilla flavored questions that are so agnostic. You might want to scratch your head, but hopefully this presentation is going to help you to not do that. Because you get questions that are in the middle of agile and sounding a little bit predictive and then the options are mixed bag. But you've got to keep your eye on what exactly good servant leadership is all about, right? Servant leadership is all about defending the team, being a diversion shield, serving the team. And when it comes to conflict, you are not coming up with a solution. You are facilitating a discussion, right? You're a mere messenger. That's who you are. All right, number eight, mentor and coach. Mentor, coach, serve, and guide the team instead of using punishment and coercion. One of the biggest red flags on your exam for an option you should not choose is if there's punishment involved. If it, you know, if it says punish the team, the team's done bad, they deserve it. Their metrics are off. <laughs> Don't choose that. You see, for those who haven't read the details in PMI's new literature, such as the Agile Practice Guide and the 7th edition, there's a tendency to want to think about punishment and coercion. But once you're really in the world of the PMI, you know that's not how we roll. And hopefully, PMP's listening, huh, you're taking this back to your real world and letting people know that's not the way. Single, solo, team, performance, accolades for one single team member, that's not the way. Rewarding one team member, praising one team member while the others are lying fallow, 
that's not the new world of project management, right? When we talk about the new world of project management, we talk about rewarding team efforts. When we talk about metrics and KPIs, we're talking about team KPIs, not just a solo performer being rewarded or praised, that is not the exam mindset for PMP. Right, let's move on to number nine, integrity. Do not abuse your position or title or be partial in your actions. This is one of the things you sign off on. If you haven't signed off on the PMP, uh, the PMI code of ethics, it, you haven't set your exam yet. Or maybe you didn't know you signed it. You know, at the end, when you get to the exam, submission, you do need to sign off and say, yeah, I've read the PMI Code of Ethics because it contains the integrity and the fairness and the honesty. And these are things you want to look out for. All right. Number 10, honesty. Again, this is encapsulated in the PMI Code of Ethics and Professional Conduct. And it just says, be honest and truthful in all your dealings, even if it may offend others. True story, I was on a project, someone said, Phil, my SPI is, is awful, not to mention my CPI. Please, please help me change it just for this meeting, Phil, just so management will get off my back. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm a PMP. I can't do that. You want me to change your earned value metrics? <laughs> That's not going to happen. All right, number 11, leadership. Be courageous to lead, make tough decisions, and tough conversations and make trade-offs. So when we talk about trading off in the world of the PMI, don't be a pushover. Some PMs, they amaze me. I can't tell management. Management's going to beat me up. Management's just going to ask me to make it happen. Come on now. Professional? Are you kidding? For your exam, you are going to be tested to see if you will accept what you very well know cannot happen versus what you know needs more time. Are you going to trade off? Are you going to try to bargain that? You know, part of the PMI content outline, talk, PMP exam content outline, talks about negotiation. And when we talk about negotiations, a lot of times we think about money or negotiating with the seller. But that's not all PMI is talking about. You've got to negotiate. When someone's coming to you and giving you some crazy idea of how many requests they want you to carry out. And you look and you, you look at your velocity and you look at the historical information and the empirical data. And it doesn't make sense. There's no way you can get 100 story points done in this time frame. But oh, their management. No, that's the bad mindset. The good mindset is let people know the truth. We've got to trade something off. We've got to do a value swap. We've got to take a look at our backlog items. And yes, we can swap some thing on the same size before the sprint is airborne. But once we're airborne and locked and loaded and you're coming with some additional stuff that is far outside of our capacity, are you kidding? Why, why would you do that? So, so this is the mindset to challenge things that you very well know are not realistic. All right, number 12 is agility. Be agile and adapt to be resilient. If you want staying power, you got to be agile. You've got to be able to pivot to the never, ever ending change. It never stops. There's always change. You take a look at the world around you. Take a look at AI and how it caught like wildfire. Everyone thought AI was a thing of movies until January this year. 
and chat gpt came on the scene and everyone's like oh my goodness i didn't know ai was so much so present yeah it is and that's an example of being agile nowadays a lot of companies have integrated ai into what they do a lot of photographers are going to be in trouble if they don't adapt ai a lot of project managers are already they're already behind <laughs> they're they're far behind you don't want to be one of those okay speaking of which if, if you haven't signed up for my udemy chat gpt course i would advise you to do that if you're still in doubt how to use ai to leverage your abilities as a project manager you need to go on down to udemy.com forward slash chat gpts that's chat gpt with an s at the end because you'll be able to dial in speaking about change all right my friends we are done with the people piece of the mindset we're going on to the process piece this is the one that scares people people be shivering at their shoes about oh pembox six i haven't crammed all the pro no you don't need to cram the processes you need to understand the processes okay if you haven't downloaded my free cheat sheet I'm going to try to do that here. Let me bring up my free cheat sheet. It's called Phil's Cheat Sheet. And if you just Google that, it's going to come up with a link. I'm going to put that in the chat so you can download my free cheat sheet. Because I want you to really understand what the 49 process is all about. I don't want you to cram, but I want you to understand. All right, so I'm going to put that in the chat. All right. So you can go on down there and download it. And uh, it's going to break down for you all the 49 processes. But let's get into process because process is such a beast. There's so much to understand. And, you know, when we talk about process, it's not just knowledge areas and process groups, but you also need to understand the world of agile very well. You need to understand your agile practices. So the agile practice guide, page 50 forward. Please know all that stuff because PMI, they have certain emphasis they place on practices that are not talked about in the scrum guide, for example. So the whole idea about how did the backlog come to be? <laughs> it's answered in the agile practice guide. It's called backlog preparation. And there's a lot more nuanced stuff that I would advise you to read up and understand in the agile practice guide. So the process domain on your exam is not just about PMBOK 49 processes or knowledge areas. It's about even the Agile stuff. So all those practices talked about on page 50 of the Agile Practice Guide forward, your five events in the world of Scrum and beyond, and, and just the, all those great practices that we use in Agile thinking, generally just the thinking, those practices without becoming prescriptive about frameworks, you know, those are definitely going to show up on your exam. Okay, so let's jump into it. Number one, life cycle. Select and tailor the appropriate project life cycle and development approach. This is something you do with your team. If you haven't read pages 18 and 19 of the Agile Practice Guide and you're not firm on them to understand iterative, incremental, predictive, agile, you need to. The nuanced descriptions of smaller delivery versus small delivery when it comes to Agile and incremental, things like that could help you, could help the light bulb come on. When it comes to the idea of a single delivery for iterative, some people struggle with that. 
They don't understand how iterative development could be a single delivery, but it's there in the Agile Practice Guide. So I encourage you to read up, know that table, and also know PMI's continuum of life cycles. Understand it. Also, page 14 of the Agile Practice Guide, the Stacy Complexity Model. If you have not read this, please do so. I talk about this in the book at length. So do look for that and watch this recording again because I'm talking about a lot of pages in the Agile Practice Guide. So you need to take note of those. All right, let's move on to number two. Number two, hybridize. Hybridize where necessary to maximize value and options. This is a huge emphasis in the Pembroke Guide 7th edition. Because when you read it, it's so agnostic you could get lost. But if you hone in on the general mindset, it's you've got to be an agnostic project manager. You know, the world of hybridization is so important. I decided to pick up hybridprojectmanagement.com. I've got plans for that because I know that's the future of project management. So you've got to hybridize where necessary. You've got to titrate predictive and agile to get the best mousetrap that there is. Because every project is different. And the PMI emphasized this. Some more pages. Pages 27, 28, 29 in the Agile Practice Guide. You need to read those scenarios that the PMI have given you there. And understand when to use a whole lot of Agile. And a little bit of Predictive. And a whole lot of Predictive. And a little bit of Agile. And when to have what I call the Agile Predictive Sub. Where you're doing both of these at the same time. You're doing some Agile. You're doing some Predictive. But there's a reasoning explained in the Agile Practice Guide, pages 27, 28, 29. Please take a look at that. It will help you understand this second mantra. The next one is the Agile Mindset. Seek to deliver incrementally. Plan iteratively where possible. You see, there's this misnomer about the Pembuck Guide, 6th edition, and Process Groups of Practice Guide. When newbies read that book, they get into the habit of thinking, I do initiating, then I do planning, then I do executing, then I do... Oh, that's not how the five process groups work. They are highly iterative, heavily iterative. So you need to be thinking about project management, even in the 49 processes, as being heavily iterative. When it comes to an agile mindset, the PMI did some research, and it was quite amazing. The PMI's research reveals that organizations that are predictive in their delivery but agile in their thinking are far more efficient than organizations that are predictive in their delivery and in their thinking. Wow. If that doesn't form a business case to think agile, I don't know what will. You need to think agilely. I see a lot of people saying, I'm doing agile. Uh, you're probably not Agile <laughs> because you don't do Agile. You think Agile and you are Agile. All right, let's move on. Number four, systematic and strategic. You've got to think systematically and strategically to navigate complexity. What does this mean? This means you have to be directed in how you proceed. Don't leave things up to some random chance. Have a plan. Be systemic. And then be strategic as well. What strategy means is just thinking about the big picture and the overarching strategy to achieve those benefits that the organization needs. 
those benefits that aligns to the organization's strategic business objective, you need to be fighting for that as a team member, as a project manager. So when you think systemically, you'll see the big picture. When you think systematically, you are following a framework or method. And when you are strategic, you're mapping back to the overarching definite chief aim of the firm. And this thinking is going to help you for your exam, for your PMP questions. Number five is one of the biggest areas on your exam. It's change. Because your PMP exam is going to assess, are you able to manage change? Do you know how to manage change? Do you know that change exists at different levels? Project change, organizational change, program change level. There's so many levels. But for your exam, you need to be specifically attuned to the project level where you're changing documents and plans and also at the organizational level. Because your project is usually a vehicle to move the company from the current state to the future state. So you need to be able to see the state that your project is taking the firm to. And guess what? You need to have the soft skills. You need to be diplomatic, mindful, empathetic to bring people along for the ride. You see, the PMI, they've got a publication called Managing Change in Organizations. It's really an awesome publication. And it talks about sense-making for people who ordinarily wouldn't understand why this change. I'm not coming for the ride. Your job as a project manager is to help them understand why the change and to draw them in. All right, let's move on. Number six, inspect and adapt. Continuously inspect adapt and integrate all levels and layers. This is you as the project manager integrating. But it's also in the world of Agile, you as a servant leader sensitizing people to T-shaped skills, the broken comb, the paint drip. If those sound like Greek to you, <laughs> you need to open your Agile practice guide and search for them. Paint drip, broken comb, and T-shape is just talking about having a team that is able to seamlessly integrate their work by being able to jump in to help each other and understanding the playing field. And we talk about collective code ownership and continuous integration as well. So we always need to be integrating all levels, whether you are in the world of technology or pharmaceutical or engineering or, or gaming, whatever you're doing, the whole aspect of integration is prevalent. You gotta to integrate to get the best. Number seven, problem solve. Be a problem solver. Offer solutions, not problems. So I said change was huge. My goodness. The next one that I would say is just as huge is problem solve. Why is that? Because your entire PMP exam is based on problem solving. If you're not a problem solver, you are going to struggle. So let me equip you real quick to deal with problems that you encounter in life on the exam. I'm going to show you a method that I coined based on the PMBOK Guide 6th edition. I call it the dig Save approach. And you might want to write this down. It's going to go very quick. D is define the problem. Whenever you encounter a problem, you've got to define it. If you encounter a problem on your PMP exam, of course, a question, you got to ask, what is the real crux of the matter here? That's defining the problem. Okay? Then we have I, 
identify the root cause. So it's one thing to define what a problem is, but the next thing is to identify the root cause. And when we say problem, you know, problem, issue, it's all the same thing. We use them interchangeably in the world of the PMI. You might even in the world of Agile say impediment. We use those interchangeably. Impediment, obstacle, blocker, you know, and so on and so forth. All right, so identify the root cause and then G, generate alternatives. This is not you working in a vacuum. This is the project manager working with the team to generate those alternatives. And then you choose the best alternative. How do you choose the best alternative? You could use fist of five, you could use dot voting, you could use a number of vehicles. But then you're going to I for implement whatever alternative has been chosen as the best alternative. And then you're going to V, verify that that is indeed the best working option, that it works, that it indeed solved the problem. So D, define the problem. I, identify the root cause. G, generate alternative. C, choose the best alternative. I, implement that alternative or that solution. And V, verify that the solution actually worked. This is how you solve problems. And honestly, I've developed a huge course for this that goes into how you would use practical tools like the Ishikawa, brainstorming, mind mapping, affinity diagrams, and so on to be able to effectively solve problems with the team. So if you want that for your team, you need to hit me up. You let me know, okay? But that's a whole different topic. For your exam, scaling it down, always look and say, what is the problem? How am I going to solve this? How do I work with my team to solve this and so on? All right. So be a problem solver. Every question needs to be solved. You know, and this is just a quick tip. Don't finish your exam without answering every single question. You got to answer every single question on the exam. And speaking about exam strategy, that's a little bit off the topic. I'm going to talk about that when we get to the end, when we're done with all the mantras. But I really want to give you some tips for your exam game because, you know, like you, I've been there. I've, I've been in the wine press. I've been beaten over the head on the exam thinking I was going to fail, you know. But one of the things that helped me is just being aware of time. you got to be aware of your time. So I encourage you to break your exam down into 75, 75, 75. And that will give you 225 and then you're going to have five extra left for anything. But definitely don't answer questions using two minutes, one and a half minutes, that's going to take you into uh, deficit. And you're going to be like some students of mine that had 50 questions left in, in 10 minutes. Don't let that happen to you. Pace your exam, okay? Um, I encourage you to take a lot of mock exams, at least take two full mock exams. I'm not talking about Mickey Mouse taking of the exams where you you're like giving yourself 10 hours to take a, a three a two hour mock exam or four hour mock exam. Don't do that. Actually, rehearse your PMP exam by shutting yourself in your office and practicing sitting down there for 230 minutes. It's a different game, my friends. It's very different. All right, let's move on to the iron triangle. Proactively build in quality and manage the iron triangle. For this one, you got to understand that in the world of Agile, we flip the iron triangle on its head. Scope is now flexible in the world of Agile. In the world of predictive, scope is fixed. That change in mindset, that flip in mindset is going to help you on your exam. I talk at length about this in the book. 
Okay, uh, tinyurl.com forward slash PMP mantra. You can get the book there. All right, risk and governance. Proactively manage risk and governance. What does this mean? Well, first of all, you need to understand that governance is a framework within which authority is exercised. Rules, authority, regulations, following a company process and procedure. These are some of the things that governance addresses. It's not a bad word. I know a lot of times people hear governance like, oh, management is on us again. No, there has to be a streamlined process uh, for doing things in the firm. And that's what governance addresses. Okay, then risk, uncertainty that can impact your project positively or negatively. What this is saying is you need to be very mindful of risk. And I encourage every project manager, even those in the real world, those of you who are PMP certified, take what you learn in the world of PMP. Take it back to your projects because it is going to help you. When you are intentional about risks, surprises are minimized because you and the team, it's not just you, you and the team, you considered a lot and you thought about it. All right, let's move on to our next one. Next one here is number 10, and it's manage all areas. Logically plan and manage all knowledge areas. So what am I saying here? I'm trying to encourage you to open up to page 90 in the Agile Practice Guide, and I want you to read all the knowledge areas from an Agile perspective. You're going to thank me later. <laughs> I assure you, if you've not done this, please do this before your exam. Open up the book. Read slow. Highlighter. Integration from an Agile lens. Scope from an Agile lens. Okay? Agile Practice Guide, pages 90 to 95. It is going to transform your thinking if you haven't already been thinking in that direction. Number 11, buy-in or authorization. Seek authorization and buy-in where necessary. What am I saying? I'm just saying if you get to a bottleneck on your project and you need to negotiate, you gotta, you got to get buy-in. That's number one. And number two, don't forget. The project is not yours. So questions that ask, what should you do next, project manager, and you choose shut the project down? No, that's not in your jurisdiction to do. You can't do that. So you don't have the authority to do that. And there's a lot of things you don't have the authority to do. So you need to get authority from the right individuals, the sponsor, uh, steering committee, whoever it is, in some instances. So look out for that. All right, last but not least, in the process mindset, it's closing. Okay, now I know I'm way behind and I do apologize for being a little bit behind. I didn't want to wrap this up in 30 minutes, but time flies, right? When you're having fun. So, closing, close each stage, iteration, or phase with a retrospective or lesson learned. All right, let me get my skates on. The business aspect is a final one business case. So, words that you need to be familiar with are business case, outcomes, Value, benefits, revenue, advantage, demand, cost of delay is a concept to be aware of. Revenue leakage, opportunity erosion, competition, compliance, organizational change, strategy, business, governance, project selection methods, IRR, MPV, BCR. Not to calculate them, but just to be aware of those concepts and the benefits management plan. That's what I would advise. All right, let's move very quick. Right now, if you have questions... I want you to begin putting the questions in the chat. I am going to address your questions as expediently as possible. 
Okay, so let's finish this off. Business is so important that the PMI made it one of the pillars in the talent triangle, uh, the PMI talent triangle. And we talk about business acumen, and that's really what I'm trying to get you into. I go into a lot more detail in the book, but I'm going to be very quick here. Environment. Observe and respond to the external and internal environment. So you've got to think like a product owner, and you've got to choose what is relevant to the changing environment around you while offering value. Number two, outcomes. Focus on outcomes, value, and benefits over output. So the PMI in the seventh edition, they've been very keen to let us know that it's not about output alone. Output, yes, it could be very important, but that's not it because you could get output and not outcome. And output without outcome is no good. So in this world, you need to be thinking about value and benefits leading to the outcome. Okay? What is value? Value is the net quantifiable benefits that a customer experiences from a product, service, or result. When you experience that value, it is likely to lead to the desired outcome. So if the desired outcome is an, an increase in efficiency, you're likely to get there if those benefits, the net benefits, are realized. That's all this is saying. All right, organization change. Set the stage for organizational change and build alliances. This is just saying, understand that the change is likely, at the organizational level, going to affect hundreds, thousands of people. So you've got to set the stage for it. Because if people don't buy the change, ain't going to happen. You know, John Maxwell, he says, people buy into the leader first and then the vision. So you as a leader, as a project manager, you need people to be buying into you. And that's the mindset. When you tackle the questions on the exam, you've got to understand that alliances are important. Draconian rule isn't going to work in this case, all right? Project impact. Assess the project's impact on the organization and navigate accordingly. In the same token, assess the organization's impact on the project and navigate accordingly. Number six, benefits. Proactively ensure management of benefits and their realization. Page notification alert. Again, I want to give you a page or two to go study. Sixth edition of the PMBOK Guide, page 7, page 30 to 33. Do yourself a favor, read up about what benefits are, understand tangible benefits and intangible benefits on page 7 of the PMBOK Guide, sixth edition, and understand how the benefits management plan is formed and what is in the benefits management plan. Also understand the concept of a benefits register. So you want to read, like I said, from page 30, there's an image that shows you the business case, the benefits management plan, the project charter, that dynamic, the needs assessment, that dynamic, understand page 30, and then read on to page 33, where you'll find more information about the benefits management plan. Number seven, value swap. It's called the dynamic scope option in the Agile Practice Guide, page 77 and forward. You want to read those. But this helps you understand the way contracts could work in an Agile environment. So value swap is swapping out the product backlog with an item of comparable value. Number eight, value delivery. Strategically plan the value delivery system. It's a new word the PMI gave us in the seventh edition. And a VDS, a value delivery system, is just your projects, programs, portfolios, and operations all integrated to deliver value 
to communicate seamlessly throughout the firm so that what you're doing is relevant and of value and management and stakeholders are clued in. Number nine, compliance. Proactively manage compliance. If you don't, you could be in trouble. So when you think about compliance, you need to take charge as a PMP, right? You're going to be tested. Do you know? This is something you should be looking out for and getting the team to collaborate and contribute. Okay? All right, moving on. Sustainable community. Harness communities of practice, PMOs, and VDOs for the firm's strategic goals. What are we saying here? COPs, communities of practice, PMOs, project management office, VDOs, value delivery office. These are talked about in different PMI literature. I go in on them in the book. For those of you just coming and wondering, what book are you talking about, Phil? You talked about book, book, book. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this in the chat one more time to make sure everybody's got that link. So, again, if you want to check out the book, just go down to that link and you'll be able to do so. All right. I encourage you to begin putting your questions in the chat so that if you've got any questions about the PMP exam or any topics... I'm going to be helping you answer them as quickly as possible when we get to the end. We've only got a couple more. So let's go to number 11. Number 11, lean thinking. Think and be lean to eliminate waste at all levels of the value delivery system. What does it say in the Agile Manifesto? It says technical excellence and good design enhances agility. That is lean thinking. Technical excellence. Good design. You're going to design in the necessary amount of resilience. Another quote from the Agile Manifesto talks about simplicity. The art of maximizing the amount of work not done is essential. That's lean thinking. All right, so cut out the fat. Do what is absolutely needed. Finally, we have gating. Use toll gates, stage gates, kill points, and phase end reviews to deliver only value. If it's not value, don't do it, but use toll gates, stage gates, kill points, and phase end reviews. One of our esteemed colleagues in the world of PMI, Dr. James Brown, he would say, kill what is ugly when it's young. <laughs> you got an ugly project? Try to eat you alive? You better, you better use a kill point. You know, we call them kill points. You gotta kill off that project before it eats you alive. Well, I hope you enjoyed what I have presented so far, my friends. If you need additional one-on-one -on -one coaching, PMP training, Agile coaching, PMI certification assistance, just go on down to praiseon.com. It's your one-stop shop for all these great materials across exams and across fields in this project management world we're in. We are at the end of this Formal part. I'm hoping that it's given you a reset. I'm hoping that this has hit the reset button because when you go into the PMP exam, it is not about how many processes you crammed. It's about the mindset primarily. Okay? Thank you very much for letting me go way over. Talk about going way over the allotted time. But um, if there are any questions right now, I would love to answer them for you. Any questions or concerns before we jump off the call? I know everyone wants to go do their 4th of July in the United States, right? I hope you have a happy 4th, and I hope you stay safe and 
Hope you have a lovely time. All right. Any questions before we hop off? Go in once. Ah, Victor. Thank you, Victor. Victor asks a question. Victor says, is the PMP exam 180 questions? Yes. Victor, that is very correct. The exam is 180 questions, and you're going to have 180 questions across people, process, business. Um, as far as the breakdown, you do know that the people domain is 42%, the process domain is 50%, and the business domain is just 8%. Okay, thank you very much. Let's go to a question from Colleen. Colleen says, ITTOs. Yes, the ITTOs, the inputs, tools, techniques, and outputs. To be perfectly honest, uh, you don't need to cram them but you do need to know them because they could be buried as red herrings in the options. So things such as work performance information and work performance reports doesn't really show up that much. When you talk about things like product analysis or decomposition or fast tracking, crashing, resource optimization, of course, you could absolutely get those on the exam. Those could definitely show up, but um, I would not go cramming them. I would aspire to understand because understanding is key. But let me give you an example. So you're a project manager on a project and you're involved in the authorization of the project. Which of the following tools and techniques would you use? A, resource optimization. B, crashing. C, fast tracking. D, meetings. It's got to be meetings. So I, I know I brought it down way, way lower in terms of difficulty, but that's the mindset. You just got to understand, oh, I know this isn't used in developing a charter. It's used somewhere else. So that needs to be your mindset. Thank you very much, Colleen. And thank you very much for all the chats. I really appreciate it. Uh, got a chat in from one of my PMP gurus who got certified way back. And uh, Kathy, thank you for joining us today. And, you know, Kathy just renewed her PMP. Oh, my goodness. It's been three years already. Wow. Well, it's great to see you, Kathy. We got another friend chatting here. Uh, Tonwa says, I've not taken the test yet. Currently completing PM certification through Coursera and reading the immersion. Awesome. I hope you're enjoying the PMP exam immersion book. And if you have any questions, always let me know. All right. That's about it for the questions that I'm seeing here. So I want to say again, thank you very much for joining me. I wish you a happy 4th of July. For those of you who celebrate it, and for everyone else, enjoy your week, and hopefully I'll see you again very soon. If you're looking to get the book, the book, you can get it at the link that I chatted in. There's the link on the screen. It's a bit of a long one. Uh, the short link would just be tinyurl.com forward slash PMP mantra. I'm going to type that in one more time just to make sure you got it. And if you go to that link, you can get the book. I've got actually got a deal going on with that book. Um, you can get my book, The Agile Bubble, which is helpful for the PMP. And uh, The Agile Bubble is uh, really more about Agile, honing in on 50 definitions uh, from the world of Agile. Um, but as far as this book, which is about the mantra, uh, you can get that at tinyurl.com forward slash PMP mantra. Um, I've actually got this going on a really ridiculous deal right now because you get two books and it's just 
at a ridiculous price. I'm not going to say on air because it's going to change. So if you want it, you better go grab it. You're going to get two books for one, The Agile Bubble and The PMP Mindset. Okay? All right, my friends. Well, I appreciate your time. Have a lovely fourth, and I'll see you soon. Bye for now.